Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you found us today at dredhill.podbean.com, the home of This Week in the Word. This is the episode today for Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. We've entitled it, Matthew's Messiah, Five Positives in a Negative World. So if that's what you were looking for, you have found it. We're glad you're with us today. I want to tell you a little bit about our podcast, where we've come from and where we're heading. This Week in the Word is heard by people all over the world. I can see the countries where it's listened to. And in the United States, I can even see the states where it's listened to. It's not listened to by millions, for sure. And I may only have a small drum, but I'm going to keep rapping that drum as loud as I can. Well, we're halfway through our study of the Gospel of Matthew. It's entitled Matthew's Messiah because Matthew was a Jewish man who was a tax collector among his own people for the Roman Empire. That made him public enemy number one. But he was called by Jesus Christ to be a disciple. He became an apostle after the resurrection of Christ, and he later was used to write the Gospel of Matthew. And the main purpose of the Gospel of Matthew is to tell his own people, the Jewish people, that Jesus Christ is the long-prophesied Messiah of the Jewish people. In fact, he's the Savior of the world for everyone who will believe in him. Well, we're about halfway through our study. At this point in the Gospel of Matthew, where we come to today, John the Baptist, the one who pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, the Lamb of God, that John the Baptist has been imprisoned by Herod, and he is an imposter king. He is secular, he's sinful, and he's savage. Now, that's a deadly triple combination in any politician. Another thing about Herod that you need to know is he was not even Jewish. They had no real right to rule over the Jewish people except the Romans put him in charge. So that's going to be an important thing as we go forward today, and you'll see why. Herod, the imposter king, secular, sinful, and savage, he ruled by decree. He just declared things had to be a certain way. He tolerated no dissent, no other opinion other than his, and he required total obedience. That's who John the Baptist was imprisoned by. We're going to see today that John the Baptist is murdered by this imposter king. And therefore, Jesus knows, or he's, let's put it this way, he's reminded that his sacrificial death is next, followed by his physical resurrection. And that's good news. Well, let's go to Matthew 14. And by the way, if you have been a little tardy in reading the Word of God every day, I want to share with you an idea that, that hit me. I think it was from the Lord. I was listening or reading, and I realized that it says, hearing comes by the Word of God, right? And I thought about that idea of hearing, because I've always read the Bible. I've, I've read lots of Bible. I've read the entire Bible about 40 times or more, and parts of it hundreds of times. So I've always been a reader of the Bible, but I thought about that, and I realized, you know, most of the people in the world throughout history could not read. 
Therefore, hearing the Bible read to them by someone was of infinite value. So I began to listen to the Word of God. And you can do that free at BibleGateway.com, and you can pick out a translation of the Bible that you would like to have read to you. So I've been doing that, and you know, as I study for this each week, I've been listening in real time, as it were, to the Lord Jesus Christ multiple times every day. And I'm talking about every day until I bring each message. So you might want to try that as well. All right, now let's go to Matthew 14. We're going to do the entire chapter today, Matthew 14, verses 1 through 36. All right, let's read verses 1 through 5 first. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So we see here that Herod, the imposter king, was angry with John the Baptist because John the Baptist pointed out that he was committing adultery with his own brother's wife. He took his brother's wife as his own. This, of course, was a massive offense to the Jewish people because even though he wasn't Jewish, it violated the word of God and he, he lived among them and ruled over them, right? So this was a major offense to the Jewish people. And it was just plain wrong. Now that's who John the Baptist was imprisoned by. So Herod would have already put him to death, except that it says here he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So the Jewish people held John the Baptist in very high regard. They reverenced him as a true man of God, and yet Herod was willing to murder him, but he just hadn't done it yet. Now, we see a principle here. This is a positive. Write this down. Here's the first of five positives in a negative world. Jesus is greater than government. I know that comes as a shock to many, but that is true. We live in a time right now in 2021 when the global government predicted in the Bible is being set up. You know, the foundations of it, the structures of it are quickly being put in place. Now, the geniuses who are setting it up, they think it's going to be great. Trust us. Jesus says in the Gospels, no, it's not going to be great. It's going to be the worst time in the history of the entire world, so bad, so severe, so awful, there will never, ever be another time like it in the history of the world in the future. Wow. But you know what we see here? Jesus is greater than government. Now, why do I say that? Because John the Baptist did not fear preaching the truth to Herod. He preached it anyway because he understood 
that Herod was not God. Government is not God. It's ordained by God, and it should stay in its lane. It should stay in its channels. But here it wasn't. That didn't stop John the Baptist. He continued to preach the truth of God. Now, that gives me a little idea here. Maybe we should choose our government wisely. Amen goes here. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verses 6 through 12. And in a moment, we're going to see the second of the five positives in a negative world. Now, the next one that we're about to read is among the most shocking events recorded anywhere in the history of man. Many of you know it, but some of you have never heard what I'm about to read. Matthew 14, verses 6 through 12. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias, let me stop here, this was now uh, his stepdaughter through the wife that he has stolen from his brother Philip. So hold all that together. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them. And I believe there was a great deal of what we might call Middle Eastern lewdness here, something the Jewish people would not have done or liked, but it didn't matter to him. He was king. Who cares what they think, right? But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. I think there's a lot wrapped up in that, but we're just going to leave that alone. Verse 7, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John, in the prison, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples, this is John the Baptist's disciples, and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Here's the second positive. Pastor Ed, how can you get a positive out of that? Watch. Here's the second positive of five in a negative world. Here it is. Jesus is with us in persecution. Now, why do I say that? Well, you'll remember, if you've been with us for a few episodes here, that John had recently been reassured by Jesus, because John had sent his disciples to Jesus and said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, I, I just need to hear this again. You're the one, you're the Messiah, is that correct? And I think John knew it, but he just needed to hear it again. He's in prison. John was recently reassured by Jesus, and therefore he faced death without fear. Let that sink in. Why? Jesus is with us in persecution. I've heard recently of imprisoned Chinese and Iranian pastors and Christians who've been brutally imprisoned, many times tortured, 
and yet messages have gotten out from their prisons that they have endured it with the joy of Jesus in their hearts. I'm not saying that it was happy. It was evidently brutal. But they have gone through it because Jesus is with them in persecution. Another little principle here is listening to this story I just read, a true event. You need to choose your spouse and friends carefully. Even though he shouldn't have had Herodias as his wife, and notice the Bible refers to her earlier as Philip's wife. Wow, his brother's wife. It doesn't even say that she is now Herod's wife because all of this was wrong. It was adultery. But notice here that because he linked up with this evil Cruella de Vil, what it leads him down the road to. Choose your spouse carefully, friends, and choose your friends carefully. So he had all his buddies. Again, I refer to Hank Williams Jr. All my rowdy buddies are coming over tonight. They're having a birthday bash. I'm sure the liquor was flowing. This was one huge event. And he says, hey, guys, watch this. You know, send her out. And she comes out, does her dance. And I don't even want to elaborate on that. It was, it was all wrong from start to finish. And he makes an idiotic offer. You know, ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And, and so, uh, so she, he makes that offer, and she says, basically, I want John the Baptist dead because her mother had put her up to that. You get it? Are you starting to understand now? What a loserville family. Choose your spouse and your friends carefully. They can determine not only the course of your life, but perhaps even your eternal destiny. And beware of what you promise. Don't make stupid, idiotic, dishonoring to God owes. And you know who he feared more and cared more about was his friends, not God. I mean, he didn't belong to God anyway. And he didn't care about that. He did whatever he wanted. He was his own God. But look at this brutal, bloody, awful event that occurred. And another little principle here, raise your family right, parents. This chick who did this dance and was willing, I mean, she should have told her, her evil mother, no, I'm not going to ask that. She went right along with it. This chick was a result of bad parenting and way too many lewd twerking videos that this girl had filled her heart and mind with. They had those back then? No, obviously not. But I mean, you get the point. That's how these kind of people are produced today. Raise your family right. That's not even the main point today, but if it hits you, own it. <laughs> so we said five positives in a negative world. Let me remind you, Jesus is greater than government. Jesus is with us in persecution. And here's the next one in Matthew 14, 13 to 23. When Jesus heard of it, what is that? The, the murder of John the Baptist. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. I mean, he needed to be alone with the Father 
and pray because he knows his death is coming up in Jerusalem. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and watched this and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. This week in my travels, I have seen people who are clearly at least mentally insane or possibly even demonically possessed, screaming at rain and traffic and cars out of their minds on the street side. People who were clearly dying of diseases. I've seen people this week living in the doorways of churches where they had put up tarps to shelter them from the elements. Everywhere I look, there is need. Jesus saw the needs and he was moved with compassion toward them, it says, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, or what we say in the South, victuals, food, all right? Now, I don't want to major on this too much, but here's the disciples telling God what to do. I'm so glad the Lord Jesus Christ did not listen to them because we would not have this miracle that we're about to read. So let's go further. Let's go to verse 16. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. And it hit me this week as I listened to this, the way it was read that, that Jesus, the way it hit me was, it may mean that he enjoyed having them there because he loved them and he was ministering to them. They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments of the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. This is an amazing miracle. Now let me shoot this out of the saddle right now. Some of you go to liberal, Bible-rejecting, Christ-rejecting churches and your so-called pastors who are liberals will tell you, oh, well, Jesus set the example with the boys' lunch and everyone shared their lunch and everyone had enough. That's not what happened. This is all the food they had, the five loaves and two fishes. Get it? Everybody else didn't have anything to eat, and Jesus multiplied it, and they ate more than enough, 
and there were 12 baskets left over. Now, in the small town that I grew up in, city actually, but I grew up in the county, but anyway, where I grew up, there was a, an auditorium, like a civic center, old style civic center that seated about 5,000 people. So I, I can imagine that civic center, that municipal auditorium being filled up with every seat taken, all of those men got fed, you know, the heads of families, but then you fill it up again, I would say with at least, on the average, at least one other person with them, their wife, and probably a child or more. This could have been anywhere from five to 10 to 15 or who knows how many thousands of people. This is a stunning miracle. It is impossible. It reminds us of when Jesus fed the Jewish people in the 40 years in the wilderness wanderings before they, after they left Egypt and before they entered the promised land because he did that then and he does it again. Wow. Verse 23, and when he has sent the multitudes away, and I have in my heart and mind that, that he, a very tender picture as he ushered them away, praying for them and just, just confirming all the ministry. It must have been a wonderful time. And when he has sent the multitudes away, and man, did they have a story to tell, amen? He went up into a mountain apart to pray. So he got with his father again. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now let's just stop right here. Um, I think I missed a verse. I'm so sorry. Go back to verse 22. This is important. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Well, let's stop there. I'm glad I, I got that verse, verse 22. So the disciples had been sent out on the Sea of Galilee to cross it to go to the other side, right? He is still where the multitudes were fed and went up into the mountains to be alone with the Father in prayer. Here's the third principle, the third positive. I said there are five positives in a, in a negative world that we're going to see here. Here's number three. Jesus provides food to eat, literally. He also is the bread of life, of course, but I don't want us to skip over the fact that in a negative world, Jesus provides food to eat, literally. We live in a world, and if you're living in Australia or various parts of the, the Orient or parts of Europe or all over the Canada, all over the place, many parts of the world are still in some degree of lockdowns where people are involuntarily imprisoned in their homes. The supply chain is slowly collapsing based on everything we know. 
hyperinflation, where your money becomes worth less and less, and food costs more and more, is already underway, and we live in a world where there is going to be, shortly, I think, maybe a matter of months or years at the most, few years, the abolishment of currency and coin, where all money is made digital, and therefore you don't control it. Someone else can control your money if you don't obey with a click of the mouse. Let that sink in. With all of these things going on, we need to know a positive fact that Jesus provides food to eat. He promises to keep alive in famine those who love and trust him. Many years ago, there was a German man who lived in England who cared for orphans. He laid God laid these orphans on his heart, and there were hundreds of them. He housed them, clothed them, and fed them, and he determined never to tell people of the orphanages, <laughs> the needs of the orphans, but to only seek God. And he wrote an amazing account of day after day, time after time, when God answered their prayers, his prayers and the prayers of the orphans, literally to the nth degree to provide them with the food they needed. So you might want to get familiar with George Mueller. George Mueller. But Jesus provides food to eat. Did you know that even though I'm prudent and I look to the future and I have some reserves on hand, nobody can, there's no way that anybody can save up enough food to never reach a point where they won't need it, won't need more. You see what I'm saying? So yes, we should be prudent, but we need ultimately Jesus to provide the food we eat. Literally, let that sink in. Matthew 14, verses 24 to 33. Here's the next one. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. What ship? The one with the disciples in it. Remember, they had been sent across the Sea of Galilee. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. This is a this is not like a little pond that you go fishing on. This was this was a a tiny ocean in the middle of Israel. I mean, think of our Great Lakes. It's not that big, but it's big. And it has mountains all around it. It's like a bowl with a sea in the middle. The winds come down and massive, intense storms, you know, perfect storms come up even today on the Sea of Galilee without any notice. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, like it's a ghost, right? You know how sailors, mariners have all these tales? Well, they probably were no strangers to tall tales, right? It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. 
But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He's the only man in, in human history this ever walked on water. Jesus is the God-man, but Peter's the only man. And it says here, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. This has got to be the shortest prayer in the Gospels. If you think you're about to drown, you don't have a lot of time, right? This is the most sincere prayer ever prayed. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Amen. Here is the fourth positive in a world of negatives. Here it is. Write it down. Jesus saves us in danger. Jesus saves us in danger. This podcast is heard in very dangerous places, like places in the Middle East and Memphis, Tennessee. This is one of the most deadly cities in the United States or even the world. It's heard in Canada. Canada is becoming a very problematic place. It's heard in Russia. Well, everybody knows Russia has danger. It's heard in New York City. There's a lot of danger in New York City. And I'm not just talking only about the government. <laughs> I'm talking about crime. It's heard in places like Los Angeles. Jesus saves us in danger. Bible smugglers and missionary preachers alike have given many miraculous stories of God's protection and getting Bibles where they needed to go and preaching the gospel. Yes, many have died, and we understand that, just as John the Baptist was called upon to be a witness even unto death. But many, many, many more have been miraculously hidden, miraculously rescued and taken care of in doing God's work. Jesus saves us in danger. All right, here is the fifth one, the last one, Matthew 14, 34 to 36. And when they were gone over, see, Jesus told them they were going to the other side, right? He, like somebody said, he didn't say go to the middle and drown. <laughs> they were on their way to the other side and they were a little rattled and riot. That's true. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, 
they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might touch, they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I'm sure they felt desperate and even hopeless and unworthy and and thought if we can only get our loved ones and friends and neighbors to Jesus and if they could only even touch the very hem of his garment, he will heal them. They did that and they were healed. Amen. These were people with literal physical diseases and they were literally physically, totally, completely healed. So here's the fifth one, the last one, the, um, the fifth of five positives in a negative world. Jesus heals our bodies. Jesus heals our bodies. This is how to act when Jesus passes by unlike many other towns in the Gospel of Matthew, who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and ordered him to leave them. One did, anyway, and others just dismissed and rejected him. Now, why is this important in the world we are living in now and entering into in the future? Jesus heals our bodies. Well, if you get sick, we face a threat of no medical care without total obedience to the state. You know what I'm talking about. So if you get sick, you might not get the care you thought you would get, that you've been used to your whole life. But if we're made sick through the threat of forced medical procedures that are harming many people, killing many, if we get sick or we're made sick, it's important to know that Jesus heals our bodies. Now, I don't know what the Lord's specific will is for you right now in this moment. There may be a reason you're going through what you're going through physically. He may be teaching you something. He may be chastising you. That's in the Bible. It may be your time to leave this earth and go live with him. I don't know. But I know if I get sick or I'm made sick, I have the permission to cry out to Jesus to heal me, and I'm happy for him to decide what to do. But Jesus heals our bodies. Amen. So in a negative world, we trust positively in Jesus. There you have it, five positives in a negative world from Matthew's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, some of you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. This is what you should do. Call this phone number, 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. And you'll find out that with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know right now for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven with him. 
877-247-2426. Or go to chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com, if you would rather chat with someone. Now let me close with a few verses that will help you. Romans 3.23 says, For all is sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10.8-13, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in that, let's read, let me reread that here, sorry. Let me go back to that, I misquoted that. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I'm glad you listened today and joined us for this week in the Word. I hope that as a Christian, you have been strengthened and encouraged. And if you're not a Christian, you want to become one today. Tell your friends and neighbors, even your enemies, about This Week in the Word. And subscribe and follow the podcast at dredhill.podbean.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to sharing the Word with you again next week. Bye-bye.